you know, yoga podcast. What is really yoga about? One day, a student traveled from the West. He came to the master and he said, I've been doing yoga for many, many years. I feel that I have mastered the practice. I can do any pose you give me. And I've come now to study with you so I could really refine my knowledge. Krishnamacharya looked at the student and he said, great. Why don't you do Shirshasana, which is the headstand in Sanskrit. The student goes down, puts himself on his elbows, goes up into a headstand. As he is in the pose, he points out to Krishnamacharya, look, I'm controlling my alignment. My legs are straight. I can feel that my hips are directly over my shoulders. I'm using my elbows to press down, carrying the weight on my shoulders. You can actually see that my shoulders, I can lift them up away from the ears, showing control of my scapulas. My core is engaged. My inner thighs are working. I am perfectly straight, and I can stay here as long as you want. Krishnamacharya said, okay, come down. The student came down, looked at Krishnamacharya, and asked, how is my pose? Krishnamacharya said, your pose, your practice is terrible. You talk too much. You come back the next day. You come back tomorrow. So the next day, the student comes back. Krishnamacharya says, okay, Shashasana. The student goes down into a stand. And this time, he doesn't talk. After a few moments, in the pose, Krishnamacharya says, okay, come down. The student goes down and says, so how is my practice? And Krishnamacharya says, your practice? Again, terrible. Your eyes, your eyes, you're, oh, you're going everywhere. You're constantly searching, you're looking. You come back tomorrow. The next day, the student comes back, and Krishnamacharya says, okay, sure, Shasana. The student goes up into headstand, and this time he doesn't talk, and he closes his eyes. A few minutes later, Krishnamacharya says, okay, come down. The student comes down and he asks, and how is my practice today? Krishnamacharya looks at him and he says, today, today your practice is better. So this is a true story on the experience of Krishnamacharya and one of his students. And it points out a couple of aspects. The immediate aspect is this teacher and student relationship, the idea that this teacher is bringing the student back, the teacher is constantly asking the student to come back the next day, the importance of regular practice. And then through that regular practice, helping to show the student what is practice about, where the student first arrives and thinks that the yoga practice is all about the physical form. And in order to express that, he uses his vocabulary, his voice to do that. The next day, he learns that his concentration, his awareness is all over the place, just with his eyes. And so then that points to another aspect of what is the practice about. And then the third day where he kind of minimizes his senses and tries to bring the senses more inward by closing his eyes, closing his mouth, we see that the teacher is giving him the positive feedback in the direction he's going with the word better, meaning the yoga practice is the use of the body, the use of the mind to experience, to explore something within 
that no one can tell you what it is, but everyone can notice if you are aware of it. It's even more interesting to see this dynamics in this story, or reinterpretation that I, I am giving a story from the Jewish tradition with the Baal Shem Tov. I'm going to make this story more connected to yoga. A few students have traveled. They travel every year to study with their yoga master. As they are with their master, they ask him, Master, we come to you and we have been coming for years and we will continue to come. However, it's a long journey to get here. And the other day, a man showed up in our village. And this man claims to be a yoga master. Is there a way, can you help us find a way that we can test to see if this man really is a master? And we would study with him also. That would be nice. The master smiled and he said, by far. Let me ask you this, said the master. When you are in Shavasana, when you're in Shavasana, do you notice that there are thoughts that are in your head? Cheapishly, the students lowered their eyes to the ground and all pointed out that, yes, when they're in Shavasana, even though they are tired physically from the practice, they do notice that there are thoughts that move in and out through their head. And they said, yes, we notice that there are thoughts in our head. The master smiled at the students and said, fantastic. You, when you go back to your village, you go to the yoga master there. And you ask him, is there a way to stop the thoughts when we are in Shavasana? If he gives you a way, then he's a fake. Once again, we're brought to this idea of mastery. The yoga master doesn't call himself a master, but rather the students are the ones that refer to him as a master. Not trying to refer to himself either, the yoga master simply points out to an experience that ex everyone goes through when they're in Shavasana. When you're in Shavasana, you're just going to notice that you have thoughts that go in or go out, and sometimes you might stay in the loop of the same thought over and over. It also invites the idea and the point that one of the most important yoga poses isn't the headstand, isn't the triangle pose, isn't the lotus pose, but the most important yoga pose is Shavasana. Shavasana where all the other yoga poses are preparing the mind and the body to experience Shavasana. You know, Patabi Joyce liked to say in his lectures when he, did, he gave them, that in reality, yoga students never truly practice Shavasana. He would point out to his yoga teacher, his yoga master, Krishnamacharya. And what Krishnamacharya would travel around India and do yoga demonstrations, one of the things he would do, he would lie down and stop the beating of his heart. 
he would slow his heartbeat to such a degree that it would felt like it completely stopped. Krishnamacharya had complete control of his physical facilities. That, Patabi Joyce used to point out, that when you stop your heart is Shavasana. You, his students, us, the practice, we do Sukhasana, Patabi Joyce used to say, happy pose. Shavasana, the most important yoga pose. And in that pose, in our story, the students, the yoga master is pointing out that if they ask the teacher in their village and he actually has a way to stop the thoughts, then he's a fake. Thoughts, they don't stop the thoughts, as a famous Japanese Zen proverb points out. It's not that you stop your thoughts. It's rather that when the thoughts arise, your attention isn't swayed. When the thoughts happen, you're not going over to the thought. Thoughts come and thoughts go. They flow. Your awareness is your attention maintained in the same direction. Meditation, focus. What are you focusing on? These two stories point a very interesting idea to the meaning of yoga. And yes, headstand, and we use headstand in that first story, also it's very true, but headstand, to stand on the head, does require an intense concentration of all the facilities of the body to be able to stay up in the headstand, especially for beginners. So the intense focus is what is achievable through the physical yoga poses. A physical pose, that's the intention of asana, is to take the mind and use the body to help center the thoughts in the mind. But for what? Why are we doing this? Here again, in the idea of shavasana, it's shavasana that we are allowing ourselves to realize that yoga is about experiencing, not so much as discovering, it's always there, but experiencing that essence of life that is inside of us, that is inside of everyone, that essence that we use the last word namaste to refer to, the aspect of oneness that makes the experience that is yoga, that there's a connection that is not just words, not just vocabulary, not an idea in space, but rather an actual experience, like when you touch your hand, you can feel that touch. When you eat an apple, you know what it tastes like. You may or may not like the apple, but you don't know what it is until you experience it by tasting it. In that regard, yoga, while physically very healing, and that's the power of yoga poses, as we discover from a young guard who was diagnosed with tuberculosis and didn't expect to live past the age of 25. And yet he lived to the age of 93, and he credits the yoga poses for doing that. But he also points out that it wasn't until he was 50 and his body was healthy that he was able to then shift and realize that yoga was not about the body, but there was something deeper that this practice was about. 
And in his words, when he was almost 85, he practiced yoga so that when he leaves his body, he's able to leave the body with the awareness that there was something to him that was beyond the body that was more than the mind. Not just for him, but for the experience of all. When we allow ourselves to take to our heart the words from one of the Upanishads, that when you see yourself in others, and you see others in yourself, meaning when there's no sense of separation between you and others, and others in yourself, then there is no sense of fear anymore. In a world where so much is in upheaval, so much is going on, the yoga practice isn't just for the epitome and celebration of the physical form, because each and every person is different, and some people have two legs and two arms, and some people don't. And why would we want to subject ourselves to just the image that that's what yoga is about, that then only f continues this idea of separation and not connection. But rather, that yoga is about this awareness that there's something more to all of us. That there is no separation between me and the people around me. And by seeking it inside, if I seek that connection between my mind and my body, then when I walk with that awareness, it's felt by the people around me. What an idea to be able to actually spend five minutes in Shavasana. When was the last time you were in a yoga class and it was actually five minutes in Shavasana, at least, so that you can experience this sense of conversation that is happening in your head? that is causing you to want to fidget your fingers and toes. But if you just allow it not to happen, if you allow the body not to fidget, if you just relax and not pay attention to the thoughts, just let them come and go like clouds in the sky. Something truly happens when you do that at the end of your practice. Practices like Bikram and Ashtanga Yoga, the student is given the responsibility and the freedom to decide how long to stay in their Shavasana. But in classes that the teacher is taking you out of Shavasana, if you are such a yoga teacher, then I encourage you, I invite you, I implore you to put a timer, five minutes, to keep the students five minutes, to remind the students that these five minutes are the reason that sh they showed up to the yoga class, that they should avoid fidgeting with their fingers and toes and trying to shift the body, that the discomfort will move into comfort if they just stay. They should do whatever they need to do before they start the Shavasana, but once Shavasana starts, just freeze. That's what the word means, a dead body pose. Not only will your cells and your body digest the energy from the yoga poses, 
not only will the blood circulation through your system will have a chance to reach the organs and to each and every end of the body parts, the fingertips and the toes. Why would you rush this experience that only yoga provides for the personality and the physical body? What other physical activity encourages you, in fact, begs of you to spend five minutes lying on your back with your hands open to the sky, just freezing without moving anything, allowing the body itself, the physical form inside, to do what it knows what to do? When was the last time that we really just allowed the body to do what it knows what to do? You know, when animals are sick, they do their best to find a place so they can just rest, lie down, do nothing. We are the only creatures who seems to forget this natural healing process that is available to us. And yoga practice, just again from this physical level, is trying to provide it. Again, from the physiological, physical perspective, that's why Shavasana is the most important yoga pose. Yes, triangle works your hamstrings and your rotation of your torso. Hetani might work your metabolism in the Bikram with a forehead on the knee. But it's in the Shavasana that these benefits are navigated through the entire system. On the yogic or psychosensual side, Shavasana, a dead body pose, the ability to allow yourself mentally, physically to accept the end, to be okay with what ancient yoga pointed out, that the number one fear is the fear of death. We just don't want to look at that. We don't want to accept that one day we were going to die, so we try to ignore it. And here in yoga, every time we do yoga, we are able to face the end. We are able to put ourselves right in front of this idea that is called death and accept it to tell ourselves here i die i'm willingly dying so that i can wake up revived reborn what a concept every time you do yoga when you spend your time in shavasana when you come out of shavasana you are reborn you just died and you come back to life Remember, the psychosensual, spiritual side of Shavasana is this, that you can move from this limited idea there is death and shift to this yogic awareness that there is immortality. Whether you want to try to define it as a physical immortality and this physical form will never die, that's between you and your yoga practice. Throughout history, many of the asana modalities that were developed were developed towards this suggestion that the yoga poses and the way to eat differently and the way to breathe differently are all going to sustain the physical body to live longer to experience this sense of unity while in a physical body to experience this sense of godliness while in a physical form and so by far, of course, that might motivate you to come to the yoga mat again and again. But without the Shavasana, without this recognition and allowing ourselves to re-reborn again, 
then we just did gymnastics for an hour and a half. And gymnastics people don't live any longer than football players or couch potatoes. Yogis can live longer. And cannot. There's plenty of yoga practitioners and yoga masters in quote-unquote, however you want to define it, or yoga teachers, that did not live past the age of 60. While Patabi Joyce, Krishnamacharya, Ayangar, Indra Devi, here are some of the, here are four of the teachers we talked about that all lived past age of 90, thriving mentally and physically up until that point. If you're a student, if you're a practitioner, if you're a teacher, take this idea of Shavasana. Embrace this awareness that yoga is more than the body. It's more than the poses we can post on the Instagram or the Facebook. But rather, allow this ability to inspire others through the body. Remember, Krishnamacharya travels in India and uses his body to inspire others to practice the teacher invites the student to come back the next day, come back the next day. Yoga is about the practice, the daily practice, the daily reminder that there is something great inside of us, physically, emotionally, and mentally. We have to remind ourselves of that. We have to awaken that sense in us. And however, whatever you do that allows you to touch and connect to this sense in you that is the sense in everyone, then I would argue that that is yoga. Whether it's taking your kids to the park and that allows you to feel this awareness and connection. Whether it's swimming in the ocean. While the only difference in those activities is the Shavasana that exists in the yoga practice. To truly lie down and allow yourself to not necessarily think about it. There's nothing to think. You have to experience. You have to feel. Allow it to come through you. It's already inside of you. So we're just releasing the curtains that are hiding it. I hope this triggers a different way to teach or to practice your yoga. I hope it inspires another way of how to relate your yoga to others and to share the concepts of what inspired you, or hopefully this inspires you to come to the yoga mat. Practices like Bikyasa, which you can find on my youtube.com slash yoga. Give the body the workout and the mind the shavasana to help connect these two variables of health, well-being, and spiritual freedom. Till next time. Namaste.